Hi everyone. How's everyone doing today? I'm sorry. I'm trying to log into my stereo app right now. But welcome, welcome, welcome. If you are new, I am Salty Coffee. I am Wanda, the host. Salty Coffee is a podcast created to empower, inspire, entertain, and inform. Our topics include parenting, relationships, finances, education, workforce, and more. I am 51 years old. I was born in Brooklyn, live in Washington Heights, and now um, was raised in Washington Heights, and now I live in the Bronx. I'm having difficulties getting into stereo apps, so that's not going to happen. Well, okay. So we are now live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. So I started this podcast with um, the understanding that uh, I started on COVID last year. So it's been a year. Um, We've had three seasons. This is season three, episode four. And we had, uh, we started on October 1st with the diva of Southern Soul, Miss Shelby, with her music. Her music is wonderful. And um, October 8th, uh, the episode was about the top things I did in New York City for the summer. October 15th, which was last Friday, we had a great networking party with the Stereo App content creators Caramello, Vision, uh, Caramello, who is the owner of Visionary 126. She sells candles, accessories, and a hoodie. Her hoodies are nice and her t-shirts, but she's gonna now focus and move into uh, candles. Puddles Flow, she is the owner of Spiritual Pea Shop. Um, so Caramello's Visionary 126, her website is visionary126.com. Puddles Flow's website is spiritualpshop.com. And she has bracelets, necklaces that are made with crystals. Um, everything is about healing, spirituality, peace, and it's just awesome. And uh, I bought her home cleansing kit, which is great. And of course, uh, Crystal Harley, also known as I Am Crystal, She's a verified content creator in Stereo App, and she is the now owner of, her website is silhouettevibes.com. She has this vibrating rose, which is awesome. And uh, she's now making soaps, and she will be moving on into candles as well. On October 16th, I announced that I was participating in a 5K run with the Bronx District's Attorney's Office. And that was wonderful experience. And it was to, uh, pretty much it was about domestic violence awareness and also um, to end it. So who better than the District Attorney's Office, right? She knows all the cases. She knows all the victims. She knows what's going on. She knows the, t- the statistics and she knows where, where people need the most help. And on that run, they presented uh, three of the people who were victims and are now you know, able to continue into therapy and move on. So tonight's topic is about domestic violence awareness. So if you are 
18 and under um, and you're with your parent or please know that tonight's topic is a very serious topic and it's gonna it's, it's just a very serious topic and it's very difficult to talk about because um, everyone in everyone knows someone who's been through it and everyone knows someone who potentially may have um, almost died and everyone knows at least one person who has passed away uh, due to domestic violence. Hi, Lirian, how are you? Welcome. And one of the things that uh, we need to understand also that I'm going to talk about it later, but um, domestic violence is just something that really, really needs attention. And we all need to have real conversations with each other about what's appropriate and inappropriate. And it's not about, oh, everybody's sensitive now. Nobody can say anything. It's not even about that. It's about what is really going on, right? In overall society and how we live our lives. So I'm gonna go into anxieties. So there's a little clip. going to be in and out because this topic is really, it hits home. You know, we, like I said before, we all know someone and in the Latino community, you know, everybody keeps stuff hush hush. Um, and it's amazing to me how some of us have survived and, and healed from, but we, it is important to talk about what we need to do moving forward to end the generational trauma. So for those of you just walking in, welcome, welcome, welcome. For those of you who are new, I am Salty Coffee, the host, Wanda. <laughs> and I started this podcast last year to promote and empower women, inform and entertain at some level. But today we're going to talk about domestic violence awareness. You can um, listen to Salty Coffee on Google Podcasts. Anchor FM, Breaker, Radio Public, Spotify, Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and last but not least, www.saltycoffeepodcast.com. Please make sure you share this. Please make sure you let your friends know um, to listen to it. Um, they don't have to listen to all of it, but if you feel at the end that you learned something, please let me know and leave a comment. Right now, we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter. So with that said, I am going to take breaks 
because once again, my anxieties are a little, <laughs> I'm a nerve wreck right now, but thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us. Um, I hope everyone is okay. I hope you had a wonderful week. I cleaned my office today and it's just crazy. So let me tell you a little bit about where we are heard. Um, can everybody hear me? Um, if you can't hear me, say something, but I think you can. Um, worldwide, we are in Argentina, Ecuador, Ireland, Canada, Italy. And I'll talk to you about Puerto Rico, but yes, Puerto Rico, Finland, and in the UK. In the USA, which this is where I'm getting at with Puerto Rico, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Georgia, North Carolina, Pennsylvania, California, Texas, Florida, Michigan, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and now Illinois and Arkansas. Thank you, thank you so much for all of you who are listening through all of the platforms. But please make sure that you can always find me on my website, www.saltycoffeepodcast.com, because as you already know, Facebook did a whole breakdown for six hours and no one could do business. Um, so it is important that if you have a business that you have multiple platforms on it. And um, here's going to be one last little clip and then we're gonna start the, the program. silenced. And for many domestic violence victims, that's exactly what is happening. And she uh, won a Nobel Prize. She's a Nobel Prize winner, who was the first youngest person to win a Nobel Prize. 
and she's also from Pakistan. Um, so feel free to follow her and her journey into saving the children. So we're going to start. I want to let you know where I'm getting the information that we're going to discuss tonight. The information, if you want to follow, is from the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence. So one of, one of the things that I thought it was important to reiterate with um, the listeners is to define it. So first of all, Domestic Violence Awareness Month was launched nationwide in October of 1987 as a way to connect and unite individuals and organizations working on domestic violence issues while raising awareness for those issues. So over the past 30 plus years, much progress has been made to support domestic violence victims and survivors to hold abusers accountable and to create and update legislation to further those goals. One of the, one of the important things here is to hold abusers accountable. Every day we hear stories and, and we're just like, well, where were the parents? And where were this? And where? And next thing you know, somebody knew something, right? Somebody knew what was going on. And nobody either wanted to, you know, everybody has this, this thing and this thought of, I'm, I'm minding my own business. I'm not going to get involved. Or the fear, the fear of reporting something and that family being bro broken up, right? So the definition of uh, domestic violence, according to in the, the real definition for the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, it says domestic violence is the willful intimidation, physical assault, battery, sexual assault, and or other be abusive behavior as part of the systematic pattern of power and control perpetrated by one intimate partner against another. It includes physical violence, sexual violence, psychological violence, and emotional abuse. The frequency and severity of domestic violence can vary dramatically. However, the one constant component of domestic violence is one partner's consistent efforts to maintain power and control over the other. You've always, you've all heard of that, right? It's all about control in many situations. Domestic violence is an epidemic affecting individuals in every community, regardless of age, economic status, sexual orientation, gender, race, religion, or nationality. It is often accompanied by emotionally abusive and controlling behavior that is only a fraction of a psychological trauma and in severe cases, even death. The devastating physical, emotional, and psychological consequences of domestic violence can cross generations and last a lifetime. And we know that. We know that domestic violence can, and we're going to get into that later on with two shows, because we're going to talk about Squid Games, and we're going to talk about The Maid, um, two shows from Netflix that I can give you perfect examples from the two shows of how domestic violence can cross generations 
and last a, a lifetime. So for, I'm just gonna put up the number here for now. Once again, for those who are just walking in, welcome, welcome, welcome. This topic tonight is about domestic violence. So if you are not um, in a place or if you, you know, this is gonna be a little hard to listen to. So you can always come back and replay. Um, some people uh, think that, you know, domestic violence is easy to, to determine. And, and I'll show you, show you some clips of that. Because the first thing that pops up to your mind and, and the thoughts that pop up is, you know, what would, as soon as you hear domestic violence, you think a man beating up a woman, like physically. You know, so I, I want people to know that it's not something that you can really see. We've learned now that that's not always the case and that's not the definition at all right now, based on the definition that I just gave you. So according to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, it is not always easy to determine in the early stages of a relationship if one person will become abusive. Domestic violence intensifies over time. Abusers may often seem wonderful and perfect initially, but gradually become more aggressive and controlling as the relationship continues. And we all know that. Like, we're like, oh my God, he was such a great guy. Like, you know, we hear it in the news when, you know, that... Uh, the incident where the young lady who's pregnant, I forget the names, but, um, you know, oh my God, this is such a great neighborhood. We would have never thought, you know, but that's what it says. It is not always easy to determine. So what does abuse include? Abuse may begin with behaviors that may easily be dismissed or downplayed such as name-calling, threats, possessiveness, or distrust. Abusers may apologize profusely for their actions or try to convince the person that they are abusing that they do these things out of love and care. However, violence and control always intensifies over time with an abuser despite the apologies. What may start out as something that was first believed to be harmless. For example, wanting the victim to spend time only with them because they love them so much escalates into extreme control and abuse. For example, threatening to kill or hurt the victim or others if they speak to family and friends. Some examples of abusive tendencies include, but are not limited to, so this is a long list. Telling the victim that they can do, that they can never do anything right. We've all had a friend who had a boyfriend that way, right? Or a husband who had, we have a friend who had a husband who would do that, right? Showing jealousy of the victim's family and friends and time spent away. Accusing the victim of cheating. Keeping or discouraging the victim from seeing friends or family members. 
embarrassing or shaming the victim with put downs. We've all seen that. Controlling every penny spent in the household. We've, we see that and, and now this generation for some reason, you know, they're like, well, my man has to pay for everything, blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about that later. Taking the victim's money or refusing to give them money for expenses. Looking at or acting in ways that scare the person they are abusing. Controlling who the victim sees, where they go, or what they do. Dictating how the victim dresses and wears their hair. Stalking the victim or monitoring the victims, their victims every move, in person or also via the internet and other devices such as GPS tracking or victim's phone. Interesting. Preventing the victim from making their own decisions. Telling the victim that they are a bad parent or threatening to hurt, kill, or take away their children. Threatening to hurt or kill the victim's friends, loved ones, or pets. Intimidating victim, the victim with guns, knives, or weapons. And we're going to get into that too. Um, people with weapons in the household. Pressuring the victim to have sex when they don't want to or to do things sexually that they are not comfortable with. Forcing sex with others. Refusing to use protection when having sex or sabotaging birth control. Pressuring or forcing the victim to use drugs or alcohol. Preventing the victim from working or attending school. Harassing the victim at either keeping the victim up all night so that they perform badly at their job or in school. Destroying the victim's property. So that was the list of what includes abuse. So the question now is, is domestic violence always physical abuse? It is important to note that domestic violence does not always manifest as physical abuse. Emotional and psychological abuse can, man can often be just as extreme as physical violence. Lack of physical violence does not mean the abuser is any less dangerous to the victim, nor does it mean the victim is any less trapped by the abuse? So I think that's that's really important for us to know and to um, understand that you know it's not always physical. It's not. And if you saw the show, the maid, you um, you can see what she had to do. If you haven't seen it yet, I'll show you a little trailer. So um, what happens when the abusive relationship ends? So that's interesting, that question. What happens when the abusive relationship ends? And for some people, it really ends, like, you know, if they don't get help immediately. But uh, domestic violence does not always end with the victim is, when the victim escapes the abuser, tries to terminate the relationship, or seeks help. 
often it intensifies because the abuser feels a loss of control over the victim. Abusers frequently continue to stalk, harass, threaten, and try to control the victim after the victim escapes. In fact, the victim is often in the most danger directly following the escape of the relationship or when they seek help. One out of five of homicide victims with restraining orders are murdered within two days of obtaining the order. One out of three are murdered within the first month. Unfair blame is frequently put upon the victim of abuse because of assumptions that victims choose to stay in abusive relationships. The truth is bringing an end to abuse is not a matter of the victim choosing to leave. It is a matter of the victim being able to safely escape their abuser. The abuser choosing to stop the abuse or others like law enforcement or courts holding the abuser accountable for the abuse they inflict. So I think that's important for people to know. We need to stop thinking about, well, what was she doing? What was she thinking? She needs to leave. She needs to, um, we need to know it's not that easy. And once we start holding the abusers accountable and we need to really start thinking about what the consequences will be, that I believe would be the time where children and the generational trauma will stop. So for anonymous, confidential help available 24-7, call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE, S-A-F-E. And now I'm going to show um, the poem that our lovely Linda Collier wrote called Domestic Violence. Domestic Violence. I turn my TV up to drown the sound of their TV and the voices of domestic violence. Voices with no names or faces, but I hear the words of pain so vivid and clear. I think back and remember the fears as he beats her, her pain through his anger he never hears. The dual personality has come out of him as he beats her, the lights go dim. Sending out an SOS for the Almighty to help get her out of this mess. With each slap to her face, with new pain, the old is replaced. Her body is being abused, mistreated, and misused. The life she didn't choose. This beating bastard she needs to lose. I jump with fear from what I hear. Who should I call? What should I do? I wish there was something I could do for you, boo. But I sit and I listen from the living room to the kitchen as she tries to dodge the licks. This is not the first time nor the last time in her ass he kicks. How does she keep taking this? 
my lord will it ever cease she needs to take a trip to the police for a bond of peace before of her there's no more to see her body lying stiff in the back room of the mortuary while someone in the family prepares her eulogy for her burial ceremony saying goodbyes as all her kids and family cries asking the question why did my daughter sister mother have to die delete domestic violence put up your shill and fence get yourself out of hell make a report his ass may go to jail vows don't mean literally till death do us part no not that way Join the march to end domestic violence. Start the march today. So all the women beaters can be put away. Delete domestic violence. Let's beat this thing today. So someone asked if we were live. <laughs> we are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. But um, the video that you just saw is actually a video. Uh, the poem was made by, written by Linda Collier. And the video was made by me. <laughs> so um, yeah, so, but this is a live. So now we're going to um, please, when you get a chance, go into ncadv.org. And we're going to talk now a little bit about um, the statistics. All right. So the statistics, national statistics, and when I say national, I mean the United States. On average, nearly 20 people per minute are physically abused. 20 people per minute are physically abused by an intimate partner in the United States. During one year, this equates to more than 10 million women and men. One in four women and one in nine men experience severe intimate partner physical violence intimate partner content sexual violence and or intimate partner stalking with impacts such as injury, fearfulness, post-traumatic stress disorder, use of victim services, contracting of sexual transmitted diseases. One in three women and one in four men have experienced some form of physical violence by an intimate partner. This includes a range of behaviors such as slapping, shoving, and pushing, and in some cases might not be considered domestic violence. One in seven women and one in 25 men have been injured by an intimate partner. One in 10 women have been raped by an intimate partner. 
data is unavailable on male victims. One in four women and one in seven men have been victims of severe physical violence. For example, beating, burning, strangling by an intimate partner in their lifetime. One in seven women and one in 18 men had been stalked by an intimate partner during their lifetime to the point in which they felt very fearful or believed that they or someone close to them would harm or killed, be harmed or killed. On a typical day, there are more than 20,000 phone calls placed to domestic violence hotline nationwide. The presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of homicide by 500%. I need to repeat that. The presence of a gun in a domestic violence situation increases the risk of a homicide by 500%. Intimate partner violence accounts for 15% of all violent crime. Women between the ages of 18 and 24 are most commonly abused by an intimate partner. 19% of domestic violence involves a weapon. Domestic victimization is correlated with a higher rate of depression and suicidal behavior. Only 34% of people who are injured by intimate partners receive medical care for their injuries. One in five women and one in 71 men, I'm gonna repeat that, one in five women and one in 71 men in the United States have been raped in their lifetime. Almost half of female, 46.7% and male, 44.9% victims of rape in the United States were raped by an acquaintance. Of these, 45.4% of female rape victims and 29% of male rape victims were raped by an intimate partner. 19.3 million women, 19.3 million women and 5.1 million men in the United States have been stalked in their lifetime. 60 0.8 of female stalking victims and 43.5 men reported being stalked by a current or former partner. A study of intimate partner homicides found that 20% of victims were not the intimate partners themselves, but family members, friends, neighbors, persons who intervened, law enforcement, responders, or bystanders. 72% of all murders, suicides involved an intimate partner. 94% of the victims of these murder suicides are female. One in 15 children are exposed to intimate partner violence each year, and 90% of these children are eyewitness to the violence. Victims of intimate partner violence lose a total of 
zero million days of paid work each week. The cost of intimate partner violence exceeds $8.3 billion per year. Between 21 to 60% of victims of intimate partner violence lose their job due to reasons stemming from abuse. Between 2003 and 2008, 142 women were murdered in their workplace by their abuser. 78% of women killed in the workplace during this time frame. Women abused by their intimate partners are more vulnerable to contracting HIV or other STIs due to forced intercourse or prolonged exposure to stress. Studies suggest that there is a relationship between intimate partner violence and depression and suicidal behavior. Physical, mental, and sexual and reproductive health effects have been linked with intimate partner violence, including adolescence pregnancy, unintended pregnancy in general, miscarriages, stillbirth, nutritional deficiency, abdominal pain, neurological disorders, chronic pain, disability anxiety, and post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as non-communicable diseases such as hypertension, cancer, and cardiovascular diseases. Victims of domestic violence are also at higher risk for developing addictions to alcohol, tobacco, or drugs. So we're going to go back to talk about Okay, we're going to now take a little break because I'm a little bit anxious, I guess. Um, I'm not a professional. So for the person commenting on YouTube, thank you. Welcome for joining us. Um, This is not a conversation. I'm just going to go ahead and give the information out there for the listeners. So for those of you who are walking in, we're talking about domestic violence. We just spoke about what the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence information on their website. So if you want more information, more statistics, please visit ncadv.org. If you or somebody knows someone who may be in a situation of what I described what it is, the phone number is there 1-800-799-7233, which is also safe. Now we're going to go into uh, talking about the uh, show Squid Games and The Maid.
and its correlation, in my opinion, to domestic violence and give examples of how that can, um, the characters from the shows, right? How the characters are portrayed and what they do. So Squid Games is a South Korean show that um, I'll give you a little quick, I'm sorry, my mouse is all over the place. So here's the previews. If you have watched it, you may not want to listen to this part of the broadcast, but if you have watched it, then stay. game movie film squid games a south korean survival drama if you want to call it that the overall objective is uh, 456 winners they are all named and labeled by number and uh different calls of life all of the all of the gamers come from all over and um just as we mentioned, you know, domestic violence has no um, gender, nationality. It doesn't discriminate, right? So this show, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I, I, when I watch a show or film, I don't really get into what's happening overall. I get into the storyline of each character. And I thought it was interesting. After I saw this, I saw Maid. 
And I, I was like, well, wait a minute. It's like the common denominator. And I'll tell you after I'm done speaking about the maid, there's a common denominator all throughout this whole thing, right? To me, in my opinion, the common denominator is money, right? So they say, I heard today someone say, you know, the root, they say that the root of all evil is money. And this person corrected and said, no, the lack of money is the root of all evil. And I thought that was pretty interesting to say that because within here in this show, everybody's fighting for money, right? And in the show Made, it's the same thing, right? Everybody's fighting to survive. In order to survive, they need money. In order to get money, they need to work. In order to work, whatever, right? So this show has uh, nine episodes. And, and I want to get into a little bit, not too much, but Seon Jing Hoon, right? Who's number 546, the last one to come in. This little piece of crap, right, in this show, he steals from his mother her life insurance, health insurance money to tell her that he's going to college and spends the money on gambling. He continues to gamble and then loses everything. And, and it's like, okay, I see, right? Um, is that a form of domestic violence? Yeah, this is the son abusing his mother, um, controlling and lying and all this nonsense and craziness, right? Chu Sang Wu, right? He's the two, number 218. His mother is believing that he's out in college. This little piece of shit here is a professional white collar crime. So he goes ahead and he steals money, frauds. He takes money from his company that he worked in. So now he has to pay the money back or they're looking for him or they're going to kill him, right? So he goes into this game thing to fight the money and, and win and also cheats and does whatever, right? So here, here his mother thinking he's in college, he's lying. Yeah, that goes that. This young lady here, Ken Sambach, she is a refugee from North Carolina into South Korea, uh, sorry, North Korea into South Korea. And in the, in the process of her leaving North Korea, her family splits up. So she doesn't know where her mom is at. Her little brother, she does know where he's at. So now she has to survive to go ahead and take care of her brother. She can't do that because she's a uh, refugee. The laws there are different. They don't, that's not how that works. So the children, they have to, I guess, keep them safe. But here she is, a talented pickpocketer into this game. And here's this, what I'm thinking the whole time is her little brother. Oh my God, this little kid is going to be alone with this weird people. She don't, he doesn't even know. But anyway, this is a show, right? Here's Abdul Ali. Abdul Ali is also an immigrant from Pakistan into South Korea. He's treated like the immigrants are treated here in the United States, pretty much, right? Um, not much, but you get my drift, right? 
So he doesn't get paid like he's supposed to get paid. He gets convinced to do this game and he leaves his wife with the kid alone. All Ilnam is 001. And when I first started watching the, the show, I was like, okay, wait a minute. This is a little interesting. Why is this 001 guy has 001? And how long has he been playing this game? And, and why is he the only survivor? You know, like how long has this game been going on? And, you know, that was just, those were just my thoughts. But if you've seen it, you know the end result. If you haven't, then um, you can see why he dies alone of cancer. Um, Huang Jun Hu, this is crazy to me because when he finds out who's the front man and literally gets killed by his own brother, this is crazy. It's insane to me. He's out there hustling and bustling as a police officer or inspector or whatever he is, detective. And finally finds his brother and yeah, that. This little thug here, Jan Duok Su, just a thug, not important. Um, convinces one of the character, female characters to have sex with him. Gangster, cheats throughout the whole thing. Typical, right? This young lady here, she um, was one of the characters that had the voice for the women in the group. And she was the most vocal one, and everybody thought she was crazy. She was crazy, all right. But in one of the episodes, she survived because she was <laughs> not chosen. But anyway, if you saw the show, you know what it means. But she was the epitome of domestic violence. Um, and this is the front man. So yeah. So I'm going to give you a little bit of the trailer for um, the maid. Why are you here? We don't have anywhere to sleep tonight. So you're homeless. I had a home and then we left it. Do you want to call the cops now? It's not too late. And say what, that he didn't hit me? We need to get you off the streets. There's beds at the domestic violence shelter. You're here. You can breathe. I am Alex. I'm trying to piece together how I got here. My mom is undiagnosed bipolar, and she's MIA right now. I got in college. I wanted to be a writer, but I got pregnant. Now I'm a single mom. You look broke? No. That proper background check? No. This is a trial. Oh, I'm starting today. That's good news, ain't it, bro, girl? We compost. Ben is labeled compost. Can you read or should I show you? I can read. Oh. I don't think I can do this. So quick. I can't quit. I live for my daughter. Alex, I haven't had a drink today. 
You don't leave a good man. He's trying. And they hate the way you shine. Before they bite, they bark. I pay all the bills. But you hang out with my friends. I do everything for you. Before they hit you, they hit near you. I how much it hurts. It grows like mold. Did you file a police report on the night you left? No. You can't take your child away like that. It's grounds for losing custody. This is an emergency. You are an emergency. So that was um, the maid. So again, if you have not watched it, uh, sorry, but I'm gonna talk about it. <laughs> so you can leave now or come back later. So the maid is an American drama, hardworking, low pay, and a mother's will to survive. And that's what mothers do. This is what women do. There are 10 episodes. And I thought it was interesting um, that none of the episode titles match what the episode is about. But let's talk about the characters. So we have Alex, who's the young mom, highly intelligent, whatever that means, falls in love with Sean. You know, there's a misconception of women who have an education that, you know, because they're highly intelligent, they won't you know, fall into circumstances like this. So to me, whenever someone says highly intelligent, I, I wonder like, okay, what does that really mean? But she falls in love with Sean. Sean is an artist who she met, they met where she worked at as a waitress. And in, in watching the show, I, I could see how Sean's mom treated him and why he is the way he is, right? So Alex and Sean had a baby, Maddie. Paula is Alex's mom. Paula was dating, is dating. I mean, if you want to talk about a film or a show, we always talk about a present tense, right? So Paula is dating Basil. Basil is her boyfriend. She's 50-something. She suffers from bipolar, as you saw in the preview. And I, I, I don't know why I didn't put Alex's father here, but Alex had a thing with not wanting to talk with her father. But her father made it a priority to have a relationship with Sean. And it was just weird watching it, but this is what men do. And Basil took Paula out of her home into a trailer, and he was renting out uh, as an Airbnb the, the house. So anyway, needless to say, Basil was an ass. He, uh, Paula lost everything, and 
here's Alex trying to save her mom, herself from all of this chaos, right? <clears throat> when Alex attempted to leave Sean, that's when um, things got a little bit crazy. Okay, so I'm just going to block a few people who are being inappropriate um, on YouTube. Interesting. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I can't believe this, but so we have Paula and Basil. Paula and Basil. Basil breaks out, he leaves, and leaves Paula with nothing. Absolutely nothing. Paula loses her house, the trailer, everything. And he's a gambler. He gambled. Now, Regina, Regina is the African-American woman that you saw her there with the big house. And, you know, she tells her, you know, do I need to spell up? compost to you know that one and regina the regina story is that she actually married an older man when regina married her husband she was young he was older and at this point you know she's ready to have a family he's looking at her like you're crazy like that's not what this deal was about so Going back to what I had said earlier, this is why it's important for young women, young girls, to know like this story about this 18-year-old marrying this 62-year-old, 52-year-old. You know, I think that's why it's important um, for young women to think about. I have a friend who told me, you know, I can't date someone who's late 50s in 10 years they're going to be 70 and i'm like why are you thinking that way and but he's right like people our age in our 50s we really can't be thinking about um we have to think about those things right and if you're if you're young and you're dating someone 20 30 years older than you you better think about that really closely, you know, especially if they have any medical or chronic disease or anything like that. But every case is different. It's just my friend's opinion. So going back to Regina. Yeah. So you have Regina who married older man. And and I'm just correlating. Right domestic violence and the things that we do and the repetitive things that normal people do and what people think it's normal and okay. Because one another thing that I heard recently was someone saying, yeah, you know, he's 60 something and she's 18, but it's legal, right? That, that right there is just turns me like want and on fire. Just because it's legal doesn't mean that it is right. And that's all I have to say. And the person said that as well from the show that I was watching. Just because it is legal does not mean that it is right. So 
I wanna I wanna categorize Nate. So Nate is the guy that when Alex met Sean, Nate is the guy that was really trying to get her attention. But she her eyes were was caught on Sean, right? And years passed, whatever. Nate finished because Nate was in college. Nate apparently got married. And to me, Nate is what we call here in the Bronx, and I don't know who else uses this term, the Captain save hope right? So Nate to me is like, he's out there. He saw her. He's like, oh, my God, let me help. I want to help you. And she constantly told him, no, I don't need your help. No, I don't need your help. He's like, no, but let me do it. You know, there's nothing, you know, I understand. I just want to help. I just want to help. So she takes the help with the condition that there's nothing else that's going to happen, right? And Nate was okay with that, right, at the moment. As soon as Alex goes back to Sean, what does Nate do? The Captain Sabahol, what does he do? What does he do? He throws her out the house. <laughs> throws her out the house. And not only that, but when she goes back to Sean, Sean returns the car to Nate, even though Nate was like, you can keep it, whatever. So to, to, to over, you know, wrap this up, you know, another character that was there in May show is Danielle. And Danielle, according to the homeless shelter coordinator, Danielle was in that homeless shelter five times already. I mean, she kept going, coming, going in and out. And Alex was like, that, that would never happen to me. I'm too smart for that. But it did happen to her. It, it happened to her. She was there, you know, twice. She went the first time when she needed help, and then she went again because she thought it will work out with Sean. And um, Yolanda, of course, is the employee who hired her for the cleaning company. And um, Yolanda, of course, is like not paying her the wages she needed to get paid. And it's just, it's just crazy. It's crazy what women have to do to raise their children, their loving children. And now we have, I'm not saying all men. And I want to thank the men who are really out there protecting women who are really doing what they're supposed to be doing. This is what, what we do as parents. We do everything, we sacrifice everything and we do everything for our children, right? So thank you. Thank you the men who do participate in making sure that our children are safe, that our family are safe. And thank you, thank you for that. But please know that when, um, please note that the overall statistics show that women are the ones not protected, specifically women, black women and Latino women are not being protected based on traditions, culture, religion. So please, understand that this generation is going to be very different 
And I want people to stop hiding secrets, stop being delusional, and know that this is happening and it's real. So let me just give you one little more um, video. Le gusta el roche, le gusta tanto. Está puesta para bellaquear. Hablando de eso, ya se lo canto. Yo sé que quieres más, y yo no sé. Pero tu actitud me pone a soñar, me pide más. 